This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. Welcome to episode number eight in the N2 Backpacking Podcast series. Uh, this is Bird Shooter, and tonight I'm going to speak with my father, Richard Goodrich, who introduced me to the outdoors at a uh, very early age. In the show tonight, we talk about those first forays into the wilderness at places like Dillon State Park in southeastern Ohio, and how over time the outdoors, and particularly backpacking, became a passion for me. That led to our hiking together on the Appalachian Trail for a few days in the summer of 1994. This was during my thru-hike in an area around the Peaks of Otter in southwestern Virginia. My uh, father speaks about how the experience was nothing like he expected it to be, and why a second trip that he planned with a family friend later that summer ended early. So we'll talk about that in detail, and now let's turn this over to my father. This is Bird Shooter here. This is the Lake Toxaway interview with the uh, with the father here on a cold, blustery winter evening. Uh, what do we got? About uh, ten degrees outside there, Dad. Does that sound about right? Close enough. Close enough. So I'm glad I had a chance to uh, corner you for an interview, Dad, because um, to be honest, you were the man that launched my outdoor career, and I think we were talking about this earlier tonight with the. Uh, the first, I guess, would probably be my inaugural camping trip, the uh, Orange Van. Do you want to tell the history of the Orange Van and how that uh, basically introduced me to camping? I, on an impulse, went out one day to buy a transportation for a motorcycle I had, and I bought this disreputable used telephone truck with no shock absorbers in the front. And cleaning it up, I painted it uh, intending to make it fire engine red, but having picked the paint swatch out of a very small piece of a sample, it turned out to be brilliant orange. It was quite noticeable. I think it might have glowed in the dark, Father, if uh, if I remember correctly. But just to give a little insight into the motorcycle, it was a 185cc Suzuki dirt bike. Is that right? That's correct. That's pretty good recollection because I haven't been on that thing since uh, 80, probably 8, somewhere around there. Uh, and now you're a proud owner of a fat boy harley if i if i if i said that correctly fat boy harley but you're not you're not to, you're not toting that around in an orange van uh not in a trailer but <laughs> i have a trailer for it it has 40,000 miles on it now so so times have changed slightly since 19 um god what would that have been that would have been the early 70s right probably wow come a long way so you're well aware of my passion for the outdoors, which call it passion, maybe beyond that, but uh, I have to credit you with the, I guess, the catalytic moment in my 
my outdoor experiences. So I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show tonight, Father, I have to tell you. So let's talk a little bit about some of the first trips, uh, I guess, in the orange van. What, Dillon? Dillon State Park, Ohio? I think it was at Dillon State Park. And I just cleaned the van up, and it was colorful, but it was clean. And you and your sister had both received sleeping bags as Christmas presents. So you packed your sleeping bags. And I had borrowed two sleeping bags from our friends the McGinnises. So we were all equipped with uh, some place to sleep. And that night it rained. And it rained very, very hard. But we actually didn't have to worry about it at all because it was very dry and warm and cozy inside. Uh, so I felt like even though our humble camping equipment served its purpose very, very well. You know, Father, we may have had a few degrees of heat from that fluorescent orange paint that you put on the van. <laughs> Quite possible. Quite possible. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I remember those moments vividly, Dad, and the only thing I don't know, and you and I were debating this earlier tonight, is what year that was. It had to be before 1976, so we're probably talking 74, 75, somewhere in there. I don't know that, and I don't know that that was your first outdoor camping experience. I highly doubt that, but I can't put a handle on it. Yeah, I'm still intrigued by the idea that I was a very young man when this whole thing began, which the, the uh, adventures we had in Canada only expanded upon that. Uh, which your, your outdoor experience really started with fishing. And where we lived uh, when you were just a tyke, it was on uh, Winding Way in Zanesville, Ohio. I remember well. And you were probably four or five years old, maybe, you know, say five. And I had always remembered the first fellow that ever took me fishing, and I caught three bluegills. And I was so excited about that, so I looked at you one day and I said, it's time for him to catch his first fish. Then we, uh, I took you down to uh, little pond behind the art center in Zanesville and lo and behold the place was filled with small bluegills that no one had ever been after and you and your sister just caught one fish after the other but well, we made a couple of trips to uh, the pond at the art center and then I got thinking it's time for Bigger Horizons. And we had some friends by the name of Seraph that had a farm pond. And I thought, well, it'd be good to try their farm, farm pond. So we went out there and we were catching championship bluegills. And a number of them. Well, after a while that got to be passe. And I figured it was time for you to catch your first big fish. We had friends that had a dock, Carskadens uh, by name, Dan. They had a dock down on the Muskingum River, so I took you down there, made up a dough ball, and you put your line in the water. 
and all of a sudden you got this terrific hit. You were so excited you almost jumped into the water. But you landed the fish, and I remember having a picture taken, and that fish was as long as my forearm. I wanted to throw the fish back, and you wouldn't have it. We had to take him home. So we took the fish home, and you showed the fish proudly to your mother. Then you put him on a towel, and you walked all over the neighborhood, showing everyone in the neighborhood the fish you'd caught. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. The fact that it was a carp didn't make any difference. Hey, that's a, that's a good eaten fish, if I remember correctly. Depends on what they've been eating. <laughs> that's funny. You know, Father, I think it's um, appropriate that uh, my son, who caught his first fish, which was also a bluegill, just walked in the room as we were having this conversation. It is. It is. is that fate? <laughs> Will, I'm going to actually ask you, son, about your first bluegill. Can you answer that question? Daddy. Daddy. Yes, sir. Will, you don't want to talk about your first, uh, your first fish? It was also a bluegill. No? I want to tell you something. I don't think he's going to talk about it. So as fate would have it, my son walks in during the uh, conversation, also caught his first fish as a bluegill as well. But then, Father, we, uh, we, we eventually, I guess, move on to bigger, bigger opportunities in the outdoors here. Um, you, you gave me a good foundation in terms of camping and fishing, but uh, at some point I decided to take it to the next level, and I think scouts had a, uh, something to do with that. And um, I guess it was 1984, I went to Philmont Scout Ranch, which I think essentially launched my backpacking uh, experience. But I wanted to talk to you about sort of the, I guess, uh, pinnacle moment in backpacking for me, which was the Appalachian Trail. Um, it was 1994 that I uh, broke the news to you in the spring of that year that I planned to hike from Georgia to Maine. And I gotta believe that kind of came as a shock to you. I was duly employed at the time. Uh, you know, it was only a few years out of college. It was, you know, on my own, actually making some decent money. And then I dropped the bomb that I'm gonna hike the trail. Just kind of curious to get your initial thoughts on that. Maybe if you would like to share them, my mother's initial thoughts. And um, anyway, curious to get your. <laughs> Your thought process there. <laughs> Your mother was afraid you'd be eaten by a bear. And that really was not a concern that I thought about. My concern was I was absolutely appalled that you were going to quit your job and take off. As was my boss at the time, I'm sure. Well, I got to thinking about it and I thought, well, he's gotten his way through school. Uh, he saved his money, and if he's ever going to do anything like that, it has to be now. So I gradually warmed up to the idea, and uh, at the time I didn't realize what a spectacular uh, ambition it was to do that and complete it. And as I learned more about the hiking the Appalachian Trail, I became very, very much impressed. And it really is uh, 
through the years became a badge of honor to be able to say that you hike the entire trail. Uh, as my understanding is, only about one person in ten that starts out to do it actually accomplishes it. Which is accurate for my day. Today, uh, with the Internet, I think people are much better prepared, so I think the um, success rate is much higher. It's probably about 25%. But um, I did want to ask you, because not surprising that Mother was concerned about my safety, but was it, did that ever cross your mind, or was that not one of your bigger concerns when I started out? I think any time anyone goes out into the wilderness, they have to give a little consideration about their safety. And certainly when I was doing that sort of thing, not on the scale you did by any means, but when I would camp out in the wilderness around Zanesville, Ohio, I would think about that. Well, and I think any anyone that spends some time in the wilderness should consider that. But Absolutely. I was not thinking about bears. <laughs> I was thinking about people. Yes, well, and I think that is probably where your bigger concern and safety lies. Um, but, you know, and in fairness to you, you have you can lay claim to some miles on the Appalachian Trail, which I'd like to get into. But before we do that, so, so Father, I'm not even sure how many miles out I am on in the trail. And um, before I left, I stopped uh, at the house and spent a night with you, and you guys graciously took me to... Uh, my sister's house, Elizabeth, who took me to the trail, and I left many things behind in your house, and among them were some books and maps of the AT. And I call home one day and discover from talking to Mother that uh, you were reading up on the AT and you were planning a trip yourself, and I uh, was just kind of curious uh, at what point, you, you know, I don't think you had backpacked before, but at what point you decided that you'd like to, you know, kind of take this thing for a test drive and sort of test it out yourself. I have no idea. <laughs> but obviously you piqued my interest because I never thought about it. And uh, then when you were kind enough to offer to have me join you for a couple of days, I thought that was a good idea. So now, I know you and a family friend from our hometown, Bill Balderson, had talked about um, uh, you know spending a, a few days on the trail, but that happened after you and I hiked together? Is yeah. that right? Okay. Yeah. So maybe we should, we'll bounce back to your trip with Bill later, but let's talk a little bit about um, what, what, honestly, which I, I don't know if I've ever really told you this to your face, but one of the things that made my uh, through-hike special was the fact that you came out and joined me for a couple of days. I think it, uh, it just sort of upped the whole experience for me, and that was pretty rewarding in the fact that, first of all, you wanted to be out there, and second of all, that, uh, you, know, that you, you whipped yourself into shape to come out and hike for a couple of days. Um, and just to kind of give you some recall here, this was June 19, 1994. You met up with me in... Uh, Peaks of Otter, Virginia, which is uh, south of the Shenandoah National Park in, in sort of central Virginia. Uh, it was middle of the summer. It was really, really hot. You and Mom had come up. I think Mom did some shopping while you and I did some hiking. But uh, the first day we hiked 10 miles. And, um, you know, I'd been hiking at this point for a good month and a half. And we're throwing you out there cold and putting 10 miles on you and all that heat. Just kind of curious, your 
you know, your experience that first day, how it was what you expected, how it was completely different, you know, just, that, granted, the listeners should know at the time you were around 61 years old, right? Probably in the vicinity, 61 to 63. So, um, just kind of curious to get your initial thoughts on the experience. Oh, I had been exercising, so I was not totally unprepared. But what I was totally unprepared for was to hike mountains with a backpack. And I managed to keep my backpack relatively light, uh, 40-some pounds, but uh, that was still quite a difference. And the very first day that we arrived at the trailhead, for me the trailhead anyway, you'd already been on that part of the trail. We started out with an 1,800 foot climb. Right, sure. And uh, you had told me, you told me later, I guess actually, that the average person that hikes the trail starts off at about seven miles a day. Right, that's correct. And the first day we hiked 10 miles. And I was not your average person because I was tad beyond the age of most of them. Right, right. And I can remember that night when we put into a camp, when I sit down, I, I was so wet with perspiration that my shorts actually squished. <laughs> right. And to make the problem worse, I knew I was dehydrated very badly. And you were carrying a water filter. And it broke. And it did not work. I forgot about that. That's right. And I had some iodine. And I was wondering where in the world I was going to get the water to drink to rehydrate. Right. And you had already told me about trail magic. And we ran into a gentleman who was a uh, mentor for a bunch of uh, kids who were on a as it was indelicately phrased, Hoods in the Woods program. Right. And he gave us some iodine tablets, which we did not have. And we were able to uh, purify some water so I could drink all I needed to get back in shape. Uh, but it was really far more difficult than I'd ever expected it to be. And I heard later that... Uh, Hiking the Appalachian Trail was the equivalent to running three marathons. Do you believe it now? I did believe it at the time. I certainly <laughs> did. So now, if I remember, um, this gentleman that uh, gave us some trail magic, he was a former military guy. He was a former Air Force Special Services uh, member, and he had started to work with uh, disturbed, distressed children and uh, distressed adolescents, I should say, and uh, he had them out for a woodland experience. And, he, and all of them had been placed there on the condition that they perform or they were going to jail. And he had really no trouble with discipline because he told them if anyone gave, any of them gave him difficulty, he would just call in a helicopter and away they'd go. And yeah, for the record, they were all extremely well behaved that night, if they I were recall. Well <laughs> I think the only offensive thing around the campfire that night were the smells of some of the other through hikers, if I remember. Uh, 
Yes. <laughs> you know, Dad, the other thing you've probably long forgotten is uh, I remember one of the through hikers that we were hiking with cracked a can of tuna open. And uh, uh, just a parade of flies came in and attacked the tuna. It was crazy. And I'm sure you've long forgotten that. But, I don't uh, remember that. Yeah. But uh, So anyway, that was the first night. That was a 10-mile hike we did. And then the next day we wake up. And we, by the way, we stayed at a shelter called the Cornelius Creek Shelter that night. The next day we um, hiked about 6.7 miles. Um, back toward the Peaks of Otter. This is all around the James River area for anybody that's listening that might know the Virginia uh, vicinity. Um, and then we got off the trail, and then I went and did a 10-mile solo hike after I think you went back and got cleaned up. And then that was when I came down with some kind of wicked illness. And I was knocked out for 24 hours, I think. Well, you so, were knocked out for more than that. Yeah. And I was betting on the probability that you had Giardia. Right. Fair, fair, fair probability. And uh, I can't, I don't know how I got a hold of the medicine. You know, I had to have found a pharmacy. But I got you a week's supply of a drug called Flagyl, which is effective in the treatment of Giardia. Now, how I knew this as a gynecologist, I forget, but I didn't know it. <laughs> hey, it worked. I'm not arguing with results. And then what I remember is you took it for a period, but you didn't finish taking it. So you had to lay over with us. And it was at the Peaks of Otter. You had to lay over with us. And uh, finally, when you were able to maneuver a little bit, you went back on the trail and you were taking your medicine. You decided you felt so good that you quit taking it. It worked. And then you had a relapse. Yeah, and I paid for that relapse, by the way. But uh, at least you got me got me in the right direction. Yeah, so I, I did take a zero day. I didn't hike any miles, I think, for a day or two at the Peaks of Otter. And you guys, um, yeah, I don't know if you recall, we went into Blacksburg the second day when I was feeling better. I think you had plans to be somewhere else, but you stayed a couple extra days because I felt so bad. Uh, I got a new pair of boots, and then we're coming back, and you probably remember this. I'd be shocked if you don't. We're driving down the Blue Ridge Parkway, and a mother bobcat and two bob kittens in the middle of the day come across the trail. I think the female, the mother, comes across. Kittens stayed. She came back to get them, and then they all came across right in front of us. Do you remember that? I do remember that. That was amazing. I've never seen a bobcat in my entire history on the trail except for that one time, and we saw three. That may be the only bobcat that I ever saw. However, I am a bobcat. Yeah, that's right. You went to Ohio, went University. To Ohio University. That's a good point. <laughs> I didn't consider that. Well, Father, I probably don't tell you this enough, but you know, uh, I think what made my thru-hike that much better was to have you a part of it um, and also to have you on this conversation and record it for posterity was important to me and I thank you for for taking some time and doing that but before we wrap up I gotta ask you so we spend a couple days on the Appalachian Trail together hey, I think you got a real taste for the whole through hike experience and I'm actually kind of curious because you got it you got to meet a lot of through hikers and one thing that has not been stated tonight, which is something that all the listeners should know, is the second largest group of people that through hike after the people in their 20s are people in their 50s. So a lot of um, 
folks retire early. They hike the trail. Um, so it's a large group of, of folks that are young and a little longer on in their years that do the trail. So when you get off the trail with me, you and Bill Balderson, family friend, return to the Virginia Highlands, which I suggested, in southwest Virginia. And I'm just kind of curious, um, A, what, what your thru-hiker experience was like and then how that was different when you went out with Bill and in the Virginia Highlands. Our trip to the Virginia Highlands uh, started out very good. But very interesting, um, your mother dropped us off at the middle of the trail. And here we are on a road in the woods and we see the trail right in front of us. But then you have to decide whether to go left or right. And, and where did you go? Uh, we took, well, there were no signs. So we spent a little time looking at the situation and, and finally figured out which way to go. And fortunately, we made the correct decision. That, that is helpful. So now, how, how was it different when you and Bill went out on your... Um, you know, your, I guess I wouldn't call it a solo journey, but uh, you know, your, your journey together versus being with a pack of thru-hikers. I mean, that ex had experience had to be very different. We were very compatible. Uh, we went, uh, decided to hike seven miles a day, and that was going pretty well. And we got through three days and got up to the Grayson Highlands. And Bill had been taking some medicine for gout. And not only were his feet bothering him from the gout, but he became deathly ill. Nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. Spent a horrible night. And the next morning I'm wondering how he's going to get out of there because we had a long way to go to Damascus, which was our real goal. And I decided I'd go look for possible help. And I ran into a ranger, female type, and she is very pleasant, but she essentially said, well, there is no help. And so the next... Uh, morning Bill put himself together and hobbled until uh, we came to a road where there was a trailhead and we just dropped our stuff there and said well we, we won't go anymore you know you just can't do it and we got a ride from some women that took us to a place and we were about an hour and a half away from our car right. when we were dropped off and again, trail magic came in. Yeah, it always does. We checked into a motel, and there was a gentleman sitting there when we checked in, and he said, well, I need to go visit my daughter. And I forget the name of the town where we left her car, but it was about an hour and a half away across the mountain. Right. 
And so the next day we got in this fellow's car and he took us back to our automobile. And he was not going to take any money, but he finally accepted something for gas. And uh, so we had two kind of extraordinary things happen. We got a ride from someone to take us to a place where we could rest and recuperate and take a shower. And then we found somebody that would take us back to her car. And we only made half a trip, but that was necessitated by medical problems. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times, uh, you know, you've got to go with the flow of the trail. I mean, it's not necessarily what you want to do. It's what's laid in front of you. So I respect that. Um, any thoughts on uh, how the Appalachian Trail was different than you thought it would be and how it was exactly what you thought it would be? Far more difficult. The importance of a shower uh, cannot be underestimated. There's a lot of truth uh, to that. We were not out long enough to get tired of Raymond noodles. Uh, But uh, I came away from the experience thinking that uh, to do the whole trip, you had to become physically capable but even beyond that the mental toughness was something that uh, you absolutely had to have and the other thing you had to have is uh, good luck to not have your body break down on you which your mind has no control over I think that's very accurate how was the trail exactly what you thought it would be absolutely in no way really no one. So it was completely different than you expected, huh? Uh, I had I had no idea what to expect, but whatever it was, I had no idea what it would be like. Uh, I did not realize that you go up one hill and then you go down another. And as I later read, somebody had written, the trail is not user friendly. Uh, it's a trail and it essentially covers uh, the crest of mountains and uh, it's not laid out to be the easiest possible way to go it's just laid out as a trail right all right well father I uh, I thank you for taking time to be on the uh, interview tonight this is something I wanted to get down for posterity uh, I can't tell you how how much it meant to me for you to be on the uh, through hike with me and um, you know maybe we'll get a chance to hike together certainly not this weekend in 10 degree weather but uh, maybe shorter hikes on easier terrain it was a great experience and uh, I did appreciate the invitation to join you absolutely well you know it was a pleasure to have you along Well, thanks for uh, taking time to be on the podcast tonight, Dad, and hopefully we'll get a chance to hike together again soon without packs. Certainly not going up and down that kind of terrain, but somewhere sometime. Thank you for listening to the Into Backpacking Podcast. 
This is your host, Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to this show, visit iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And give us a thumbs up or a positive comment while you're there. You can also download shows directly from intobackpacking.com. Just click the podcast tab on the main menu. Music for this show was provided by Jerris under a Creative Commons license and is titled Hillbilly Anarchy. This show is a production of Into Backpacking and is copyrighted by Into Ventures Inc. For more information on this podcast or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at intobackpacking.com. That's the letter N, the number two, backpacking.com. <laughs>